Hi everyone and welcome back to Final Film. Today we are bringing you a top 10. We are splitting it into two. Stop complaining to me. Um, we're going to do our top 10 actors. So we're basically similar. I was going to say similar to the female performances one that we did, but we're not focusing on singular performances. We're doing a sort of actor's body of work, 10 actors that we would say are our favourites. Um, Gemma, you've said that you're not including any female actors because you feel like you covered all of those with your performances list. Yeah, that's right. So we did that one for International Women's Day. So I'd already kind of made my list of uh, male actors. So I'm just going to sort of stick with that, really. Fair enough. And also Gemma hates women. Yeah. Gemma does hate women. Famously Gemma that hates women. Yes. Of that course, wasn't yeah. clear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just in case no one knew. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have one honourable mention. Has anyone got any honourable mentions? I've got loads. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, I'll just do mine just to get it out of the way because I did say on a previous podcast that he was in my main list and Georgia apparently gave you a look, Ollie. And then when I told Amy, Amy probably gave me the same look. Um, <laughs> I've knocked Tom Cruise out. Um, yeah. So Tom Cruise was up there mainly because, and I've, I've sort of done this for all my actors, I've pulled all the films that I've seen them in and that I like and stuff. But like the Mission Impossible films, I think, speak for themselves. War of the Worlds, um, his cameo in Tropic Thunder, if you can even call it a cameo in Tropic Thunder. Um, Stacey Jackson, Rock of Ages, just to sort of, you know, throw that one out there. Um, but then Top Gun Maverick, you know, and uh, Edge of Tomorrow, actually, underrated one. Um, I don't think gets enough love. I quite like him in a lot of those, but then the, the pinnacle being collateral, like his best oh. performance, <laughs> like by, bar none, is in collateral. Um, Seriously, why hasn't he done more villain roles? Yeah, so I thought he needs a bit of a mention anyway before I get into my main list, but there's there's Tom Cruise. Um, Ollie, go on then. Okay, so the most recent edition was following the masterpiece that is Barbie. Um, I, re I just remembered Margot Robbie is actually really, really damn good at acting. When you look at her in that, when you look at her in Wolf of Wall Street, when you look at her in I, Tonya, She's just unbelievable. Her accent work is great. Like, she's one of those Australian actresses that you literally just forget is Australian. And the way she's brought Harley Quinn to life, fantastic. We've got two actors, similar energy. Like, they're not necessarily good actors, but the amount of effort they put in is just so endearing. Nicolas Cage and Tim Curry. You just got to love them. Like, the amount of effort they put in. I do get people looking at Nick Cage and just being like, no. But Georgia was in that camp and she watched the unbearable weight of immense talent and fell in love. And like, she was like, I get it. But I think it helped that Pedro Pascal was in there and she loves Pedro Pascal. Um, Emma Stone as well. I think people forget how good she is at acting. Like, she's genuinely great. When you look at, like, I don't... Like, when you look at her in, like, Superbad, she's great in that. When you look at her as Gwen Stacy, she's unbelievable in that. She's fantastic in Birdman. Francis McDormand... I mean, come on, Fargo, most of the Wes Anderson catalogue, she's unbelievable. Kate Blanchett, Kate Blanchett is unbelievable. Uh, Kate Winslet, fantastic. Jeffrey Rush, again, was in there because I just, I love how much effort he puts in. And then one that was like kind of sneaking in, the one that nearly made it in was Javier Bardem. Yeah. Because I don't think I've seen him perform in something where I've not loved his performance. No Country for Old Men, he's fantastic. Skyfall, he's fantastic. Collateral, very short role in Collateral, but he's great in that. And thus ends my honourable mentions. 
Nice, nice. Holly, have you got some? Um, mine are uh, just a big shout out to the TV actors. Most of my favourite actors are TV actors and not in the way that they're film actors who have now done one big showy HBO series, which seems to be happening now that TV's kind of come into a new golden age and people aren't, you know, smirking about, oh, you're just a TV actor. Um, but there are loads of British TV actors who I absolutely love. Like Maxine Peake is 50% of the reason why I am proud to live in Manchester. Um, I love Alison Steadman. She's just the best. She'd be my number one, but all of her favourite performances are on TV, so I didn't oh, include them. <laughs> um, just so many wonderful, like, comic actors. I love sitcoms, and I think uh, comedy actors don't get anywhere near as much love as they should, because I think it's so difficult to have perfect, wonderful comic timing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, Brit the kind of all the best British character and... Um, comedic actors who have only been on TV. We see you, we love you, we'll do you in another list. Indeed. Huh. Uh, and Gemma, have you got any? I do, yeah. Uh, so uh, somebody that's a, a favourite of mine who's probably never going to get um, critical acclaim, so hasn't made my list, is somebody like Mike Myers. Um, as a comedy actor, he's just, he's just brilliant. So he's never going to be right up there getting all the uh, awards and Oscars and stuff. But when you look at what he does, it's just brilliant. Like Shrek, brilliant. Wayne, brilliant. Austin Powers, he just plays it absolutely brilliantly. Um, so yeah, I think Mike Myers is up there. Thomas Turgus um, from uh, This Is England, um, you know, really sort of young actor, hasn't done a massive amount since, uh, since he was young. But for his performance in This Is England, um, particularly such a young actor, I thought he was great. Uh, Taron Egerton, uh, I think he plays the uh, biopics quite well. He played um, Elton John really well. And he played um, Eddie the Eagle really well. And somebody that I really like, who my mum hates, Chevy Chase. Again, just doing your thing well. <laughs> Chevy Chase does Being his thing. Completely... <laughs> yeah, but doesn't he just do it well? Um, so you know they're they're not somebody that you say, oh, they're a great actor because how broad someone like Chevy Chase could be or Mike Myers could be is maybe questionable. But doing their thing and doing it brilliantly well mm. will will bring a smile to my face every time. So uh, yeah, those four. Forget Mike Myers his flowers as well. There's that one scene in Austin Powers where he realizes how much time he's lost and how out of touch he is. And he like he gets across like the broken nature of that guy really well. Like and he like you say Austin Powers, Dr. Evil is one of remains one of the funniest characters I've ever seen in film. He's unbelievable. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love Dr. Evil. <laughs> so it's silly, but it's brilliantly silly. Hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so into our top tens, number ten. Ollie, you're going to kick us off. Okay, my number ten's a bit of a rogue shout. He's not the most well known of actors, and it is purely from an um, a nostalgic uh, point. And it is Clancy Brown. Um, for the uninitiated, Clancy Brown's probably his biggest role that people will be familiar with is he plays Hadley, the um, chief guard in uh, Shawshank Redemption. But he's one of those actors who he's done an awful lot of voiceover work. He's been in loads of cartoons. He's Mr. Krabs from SpongeBob SquarePants. 
And the reason I love him so much is because he was Dr. Neo Cortex in the Crash Bandicoot games when I was growing up. Just, he's great. He's like the way he gives him this kind of smarminess. And then he voices Uka Uka in the same game as well. And it's like, there's this one scene where he's talking to himself with two very, very different voices and just showing his vocal prowess. He's got a really distinctive voice. He kind of had a bit of a renaissance recently as well. For some reason, Disney are treating him in Star Wars the way that Pixar treat John Ratzenberger. He just mm. kind of shows up in every modern Star Wars property, and I'm all here for it because Clancy Brown is an absolute boy. So, yeah, Clancy Brown at number 10. He had a really good turn in the um, Dexter revival. Um, yeah, I've seen clips of him. Yeah, in, Dexter New Boy. He was, he was really good in that. Uh, no, he's just one of those really good character actors who rocks up, like Holly's talking about, like TV. He rocks up in a load of TV stuff every now and then. He's just, he seems to constantly be working and he's just, he's so good. Yeah. Uh, Gemma, you're number 10. Uh, my number 10 is Tom Hardy. Um, yes. so going to the um, aforementioned uh, comment of uh, Je Gemma hates women, um. So Tom Hardy is, let's say, a, a chap that could change my opinions. <laughs> uh, I do think that he's uh, he's a, a very handsome boy, um, but I think he works really hard. Uh, so I, I like him in the Guy Ritchie kind of roles, like rock and roller. But when you look at things like Legend and how hard he worked at that role and how brilliantly he played those two. My dad, when he saw that, he thought that was two different actors. Now, I don't know whether that's more something to say about my dad, but I do think that that shows how well he did that. Uh, and then, um, like, the um, the fighting film Warrior as well and how hard mm -hmm. he worked uh, in that. So I think he's he's a real grafter in terms of the work that he puts in. Um, and so he's uh, he's made my list. So, yeah, Tom Hardy, and he's gorgeous. Nice. Blinders as well. He's so good as Alfie Solomons. Yeah. Like he look, he looks like an absolute blast to work against, whilst also being really intense to work against. He was in my long list, um, not in my full list, uh, but yeah, he was definitely one that was knocking around. Uh, right, my number ten. Um, this is more of a sort of, I don't know, like a, like a sort of all encompassing on her career list. Um and it's Angela Bassett because what an absolute beast Angela Bassett is. Now I first saw Angela Bassett in Strange Days, which was Catherine Bigelow's sci-fi film that came out in 1995. Not many people have seen it. Not many people know of it. She played a character called Mace, and Mace is basically the sort of person who goes around real sort of badass female, telling <laughs> um Ray Fiennes' character Lenny just to sort himself out and just to get his head in the game. Um, and then you know she she pops up every now and again in like a bit bit, bit of a character actor in things like uh, Olympus Has Fallen where she plays um, a high ranking officer and then I think at one point she even plays the president. Uh, but then more recently, obviously you've got um, Queen in Black Panther and when she pops up in Avengers and stuff like that. Um, even her turn in Soul. I would take as, you know, being a big thing. Um, but more recently for me and Amy, the TV series 911, which ultimately is effectively a soap opera about 
a fire brigade or a firehouse and all that kind of stuff. But every scene that she is in, she undermines somebody, and it's usually a man. To the point where me and Amy have just effectually started calling a ball buster. Where as soon as she rocks into a scene, we're like, oh, they're in trouble. Ball buster's here. Um, and it's just Angela Bassett all the way through. She's an absolute beast. Um, so she's my number 10. She is so good at busting balls. I, don't, I can't so immediately good. think of anybody in the business who's better at busting balls than Angela Bassett. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, Holly, you're number 10. I'm, I'm so annoyed because whenever we start these lists, Someone says something, I think, oh my God, that's like a whole sector that I didn't even think about. Voice actors. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah. So, uh, a bit belated, like, shout out to uh, Jennifer Hale and Raphael Sparge, who would have both been in my list if I thought to include voice actors. I'm very sorry, but they're both brilliant voice actors. <laughs> um, so, my number 10 is uh, Rachel House, uh, who is. Uh, it kind of pops up in a lot of Taika Waititi films. Um, she had like a bit part in Jojo Rabbit. Um, and uh, I love her from uh, Eagle versus Shark and Hunt for the Wilder People. I just think she's an absolutely amazing comedic actor. But every, every look that she gives, every line that she delivers is just killer. And she has me in stitches. The, the like intensity that she brings to this like child protective services officer is if she's in the actual FBI hunting a terrorist when she's actually just trying to find like quite a, a tubby little boy who can't really run away from her but still manages to somehow um <laughs> and if she had helicopters she'd have brought helicopters in to look for this lad i i absolutely love it no one could have made me laugh as much as her in those two films um and anytime she pops up she's in thor ragnarok um and steals steals scenes from jeff goldblum is How she the one who's that? like the prisoners with jobs yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love her as well. <laughs> um, I I just want to see her in way more stuff. I think partially she's helped by the New Zealand accent, which makes everything that you say hilarious and endearing. But even with that, Irish. Her, yeah, her, her timing <laughs> is brilliant, and I love it. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where she pops up in next goal wins. Yeah, I'm sure, I've seen that. that. Yeah, you know, but, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so number nine, Gemma, you're going to kick us off with your number nine. Okay, so my number nine is probably going to be on a lot of your lists, um, and that's uh, Denzel, Denzel Washington. Um, so, what's up? I love Denzel, I love Denzel. Ah, well, there you go. That's why Gemma's on. Um, so, the thing I like about Denzel Washington is um, in terms of sort of the, his rise to fame through the 80s, through the 90s, um, when there might have been limited uh, really good roles for black actors and the temptation to do the Eddie Murphy thing and, you know, play a very narrow stereotype kind of role. I don't feel that Denzel Washington has ever done that. He is a really, really good actor uh, in his own right and has been able, because of that, to be able to resist having to take roles that um, aren't necessarily great acting roles. Um, some of my favourites of his are things like Philadelphia. I think he's really good in Philadelphia. Um, I quite like Remember the Titans. I think he's really good in Remember the Titans. Mm. But obviously, um, the big one for me is, um, I think, Training Day, where he's just superb 
in Training Day. Um, so I think he's great. I think he's a great actor um, just in terms of his acting ability, which is what's made him able to uh, resist taking any kind of narrow roles, um, you know, in the times when when um, great roles weren't available for people of colour. Um, so, yeah, number nine, Denzel. First mention for Sam Collins. Uh, when I told him we were doing this list, he went, well, number one's Denzel Washington. And I was like, okay, yeah. Um, Fair enough. Denzel's what, what not on my idiot. list. What an idiot, Sam. Oh, he's Den- <laughs> yeah, Denzel's not on my list. It was in my long list. Another actor like Tom really Cruise. Debated, it's like he played yeah. a villain once and he never did it again. And why? <laughs> he was so yeah. good at it. Yeah. we um, Amy really loves the remake of Taking the Pelham 1, 2, 3 with John Travolta. Um, and Unstoppable with Chris Pine, where, like, as soon as we came out of Unstoppable, she was like, that was just a really good train film. It's just a really good train film. <laughs> so, like, yeah. I remember solid liking work. Unstoppable, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Uh, solid work all around. Right. My number nine um, is a very recent inclusion in that I've only got four of her films on my little sort of list of things that I've seen her in. But I know that given time, given her career sort of propelling where it is going to go, that she's definitely going to be up even higher we ever went back to this list. Florence Pugh. Now, Florence Pugh, absolute godsend of an actress. Um, mm-hmm. I I was aware of her when she did things like Lady Macbeth. Um, and I want to see The Falling, although I might be com- uh, confusing him with somebody else. But then as soon as I found out that she was cast as Paige or Soraya in Fighting With My Family, I was like, that's perfect casting. And that film, I to be fair, like if you've not seen it because you think, oh, it's a film about wrestling, watch it because it's really not just a film about wrestling. Like I think anyone can enjoy it. Um, and it blew my tiny mind being in the cinema and watching wrestling footage. Um, like it was just weird. <laughs> um, but then seeing her in Black Widow, I think she's fantastic in Black Widow. One of the, if not the best thing in it. Me and Amy recently watched Don't Worry Darling, which has its issues, Harry Styles being one of them, but she is acting everybody else like she's knocking them out of the park. She's just better than everybody else. And then Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer being a sort of the most mature role that I've seen her do and sort of her shifting away in my head of being this youngish actress to her now being sort of leading lady style, you know, can hold her weight with everybody. And does it really well? She's really um, holding her own in a wet heavyweight casting up and yes, yeah. like she's now she's become one of these people where she just needs to be in the cast. She just needs yeah. to be the. I'm fairly she's in June two. I'm I'm certain, but then that's now yeah, not happening is. until March because of the strike and all that nonsense. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she's my number nine. But I think give it a couple of years and she'd be further up the list. Yeah. Um, Holly number nine. Um, Hugh Jackman is or has been one of my favorite actors since I was a kid because I fell in love with the X-Men franchise and it was my favorite um, like set of films through my teens I absolutely love them and Hugh Jackman is that series without him it's not fun it's not you know it he's he's the center of all of them um, and from there he's been in some rubbish like I hated 
greatest showman. I hated Australia. But when I was thinking about this list, I was thinking, which actor would I watch any film that they're in? I don't need to know the genre of the film. I don't need to know who who made it or um, don't even need to see the trailer to decide if I want to see it. If they're in a film, I'll go watch it. Um, and Hugh Jackman is definitely that person. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's, you know, we've just said Denzel Washington. I don't think he's that skilled, but being that um, just charismatic uh, presence maybe isn't a skill maybe it's just something you're born with but I he I don't know he he has a kind of magnetism that you you just want to watch him when he's in a film um and he's made some more interesting choices since playing Wolverine also his his um loyalty to that character the fact that he's gone on and done more films in that series which are a bit smaller like Logan um that he has an awful lot of respect for his fans and just seems like a really, really decent human being, which I know is my middle-aged mumness coming out like, <laughs> oh, he's been married for 30 years. Oh, he's like blah, blah, blah. You know, but it's still, it's it's odd in Hollywood um, to have someone who's that wholesome, I think. Please mm. don't me to him, please. Please, God. <laughs> um <laughs> Not a chance. But films like The Prestige, where he's <laughs> slimy and sleazy and it doesn't Prisoners. come out until later. Prisoners. Prisoners is Ooh. wonderful, wonderful film. And it can playing completely against type. Um, yeah, I, any film that Hugh Jackman is in, I would give it a chance. Some of them are rubbish, but I would still enjoy his performance in them. I think he makes everything that he's in a little bit better. He's just a professional. He's charismatic. He's great. And, and he's, he's pretty. He's pretty. Yeah. He's Gaston. I mean, well. He, he's a good one, isn't he? Like, yeah. Absolute good fever dream watching him tap dance to ACDC when I went to his concert. Just like, <laughs> what, he, what's going he on used, here? He used to be a teacher, so... Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, have you seen that interview all... where he runs into the guy uh, who he used to teach PE to? And he yes. was like, oh, yeah, yeah, how you doing, Mike? <laughs> it's so you awesome. To, actually, used to be a PE teacher. That's points off, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, right. but you've got loads of time to up your teaching routines, haven't you, guys? <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the rest of us today, are we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ollie, number nine. Um, I can imagine if he's not on your list, Adam, I'm going to get an approving head nod okay. at this point. My number nine is Michael Keaton. Approving head nod. Approving head approving nod. Head it might head not nod. be on your list, but yeah, approving head nod. Like, Again, he has been in some absolute schlock. Like, some of his earlier comedy films are just a bit of a difficult watch, and, like, Jack Frost is an existential nightmare. But Batman, at the end of the day, like, there's a reason that he's still beloved as Batman. I know you're not a big fan of Birdman either, but I really enjoyed Birdman. I think he acts incredibly in there. Spider-Man Homecoming as well. Like, you're starting to see him do those kind of more villainous things. And he's quite a good chameleon. I I kind of flip-flop as to whether I prefer those kind of Jack Nicholson, Denzel... Because I'd argue Denzel Washington, he can show subtle differences, but he you can tell it's him. 
in there. And that's not a slight against him. It's a style of acting. And sometimes I prefer that style of acting where it's like, this is him making a stamp on the film. And sometimes I flip-flop the other way where it's like, no, I like the chameleon. Like the founder. He's so good in the founder. It's just this, like, he starts off quite likable. And, like, the more you watch the film, the worse he gets. The more horrible he gets. He's great. Um, and Spotlight as well. I think that's Spotlight. the one we've talked about. I was like, waiting I think, for you to mention Spotlight. Yeah. Well, I nearly forgot about it. And then I just remembered Spotlight. And again, like, a subtle thing in there, because, you, like, you guys will know by this point, I'm a sucker for it. His he doesn't do like a cartoon Boston accent. He really nails it. He absolutely nails the vowel sounds where they need to be, which is important for such a serious film. Mm -hmm. And the way he just kind of, again, he anchors such a strong cast in that. I think it's that underdog element as well. People hated him. Like he broke the internet before the internet was a thing when he was cast as Batman. He's like, this isn't our Batman. He's not handsome enough. He's not built enough. And then he goes on to a critically acclaimed performance and everybody, like most people would put him or Kevin Conroy as like the best Batman. And on any given day, I couldn't tell you which of those I would have as my better Batman. Like he certainly is pretty unanimously considered the best live action Batman. So yeah, Michael Keaton. Yeah, a proving head nod. He's not on my list, but a proving head nod. <laughs> um, so moving into number eight, so I'm going to kick us off from a number eight. Um, almost a segue from one Batman actor to another. Um, although not playing Batman, uh, Heath Ledger. Um, now even going from things like Ten Things I Hate About You to the absolute classic that is a Knight's Tale. Like, oh, who doesn't a love a Knight's Tale? Like, come on. Like we shot it to Ruby and she was hooked. Um, and then smaller films, like, because me and Amy did this thing where Amy got a bit obsessed with him, to be honest. Um, and we sort of went back through his back catalogue. Um, so we did things like Ned Kelly, Brothers Grimm. I'm not that big of a fan of Brothers Grimm. Amy really likes it. Um, obviously, you've got things like Brokeback. Um, even Imaginarium Dr. Panassis, which he was filming as he died, you know, but then his performance in that, you could still see a little bit of Joker, but then his magnum opus being obviously the joker um i think it's a damn shame what happened i would have loved to see where things went and what what was going to happen afterwards but i think he's he's low down on my list compared to some of the other people because i I had to sort of take ultimately i think him as the joker if we were doing a top 10 performances list would obviously be up there um Mm. but i think his body of work because of how unfortunately small it is I had to sort of bring him down a little bit, but I had to get him in there. So Heath Ledger is my number eight. Do you think he um, was planned to be in Dark Knight Rises? The thing that I heard is that at one point when they sort of bust into Blackgate, it wasn't supposed to be Blackgate. It was supposed to be Arkham and all of the cells open apart from one cell, which has got him in it. And then you would see him in a cameo um, as Joker, you know? So I don't, I don't think it was ever the plan for him to sort of, go full into he's going to be in that one as well um but there was a lot that i just think you know what would he have done you know Mm. um right holly number eight um don't have a lot to say about this person because Gemma like absolutely um nailed why this person is so great when we did the female performances list tony collette 
she's she's so wonderful in absolutely everything another person who elevates everything she's in um i would definitely watch a film if i knew that she was in it um she goes from something like knives out where she's this like new age bimbo to like muriel's wedding where she's this kind of sad sack loser to um about a boy where she's got a really small part that's really nothingy not written very well but stands out in that role with the the you know concern that she has for her son which feels so so real um she's been in some great tv series re recently as well um yeah and and Gemma kind of spoke a little bit about how she's carved out a niche for herself in an industry which is horrifically um hard on women who don't fit a certain archetype of how you look um and she's broken out of being only a character actress um, despite not fitting exactly what Hollywood would uh, deem like the perfect looking woman. Um, also, like a Muriel's Wedding is a great example of like tropes that I don't like in film. I really hate it when the main character gets arrogant and starts like lashing out at all the people around them, probably because I'm a bit arrogant. And so I see myself in those characters and go, oh, that's too real. No, I hate it when that happens in films. Um, but she sells that trope to me um, and I, I still enjoyed the film. Um, so, yeah, she's just great. What can you say? Hereditary is what you can say. I haven't seen it because I don't want to lose all my sleep for the rest of my life. <laughs> there is one, if you like, if you just love Tony Collette, if you find the scene where they're having dinner together and she just goes in on her son. I have seen that scene. Oh my yeah. God. Like, golf claps. I was, I mm. was just there like, jaw on the floor. Where, and again, like similar to Margot Robbie, I had no idea she was Australian. No mm. idea. Everything I've ever heard of her, she's got this impeccably flawless American mm. accent. It just no, she's a, she's there in interviews, and it's like, and she's being asked like, "Have you ever had to give an interview in America?" And it's like, no, I think I, I think I'm pretty clear. <laughs> um, yeah, she's really good in a film called Way Way Back. If you've not seen Way Way Back, um, which has got it's got Steve Carell in it, it's got Sam Rockwell in it. It's uh, basically she um, she's just got together with Steve Carell and she takes her family to a sort of trip and there's like a water park and it's more of like a coming of age story for her son. Um, but it's really good. It's a really good film. Is it the staircase? Look it up. Yeah. Is it what? Oh, I enjoyed the staircase. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's the TV version of it with Colin Firth as well. Yeah. 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 Um, right. Ollie, number eight. Um, we have the queen in our midst, ladies and gentlemen. We have Olivia Coleman. Just she is like a lot of this as well is just to do with her personality, is a bit like her just like in bits and really flappable in interviews. I don't know if this is her genuinely or just a cultivated um personality that she has whenever she's been interviewed, but I just remember. Like, everything I've seen her in, I love. Like, she's great in Fleabag. She's such a good villain in Fleabag. Fleabag, because you really hate her in Fleabag. And I remember just being blown away watching The Favourite as well. She was 
hilarious as Queen Anne. She's great as the villain in Mitchell versus the Machines as that AI because I have watched that now, Paul, and I've got to I've got to admit it might be better than Into the Spider Verse. I don't know. It really is that good. Um, I just I don't think I've seen her do. And to think that, like, I'm pretty sure her first, like, named big break, she was probably doing plenty beforehand, but, like, the first thing that people really know her for is, like, Peep Show. Mm. It's mad, the career she has gone on to have, the way she has broken into Hollywood as a British actor. Like, British actors tend not, like, they just tend not to do that. Weirdly, it's more prevalent. Like some of the men will make it, but they have to pretend to be American a lot of the times. Like Tom Holland's obviously done it. Andrew Garfield flirted with it a little bit. Tom Hardy has kind of flirted with it a little bit. But Olivia Coleman is really up there as like she's got some big film credits in her IMDb. And it's because she's earned it, because she's fantastic. Like I don't, I've not watched The Crown, I've just watched Georgia kind of watching it and it's like i have no interest in watching it but i can look at olivia coleman's performance in it and be like yeah that's incredible the amount of effort she's putting into it and the work she's putting in and the performance she's giving us off the back of it it's just she she knocks it out of the park basically every time yeah she's very very good um, i don't think i have it in me to watch is it the father her and anthony hopkins yeah that just seems like it would be too sad. Those it, two honestly, acting against like, each other. I watched that'd it. That would be soul destroying. <laughs> I watched it last year. I, to be honest, when films like that come out, I kind of go, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I don't know if it's just going to be not like not my cup of tea. But the way that the narrative is constructed, and then those two central performances, it's astounding. Um, mm. It's worth a watch, definitely. But it will break you. Um, she's she's brilliant in the Lobster. Oh, really, no, really menacing in the lobster. Mm. Uh, Gemma, number eight. Okay, my number eight is Will Smith. Nice. Um, so yeah, I think he's really broad and has, has sort of grown up into um into what he can do. So my age being uh twenty three plus um <laughs> uh 23 plus 20 as i am now uh obviously my first kind of experience of will smith was um fresh prince which is just still iconic um and is still funny for i think today's teenagers i think it's timeless so obviously he's playing that and he's he's in a slightly stereotypical role it's not a difficult role to play but then he really sort of grows i think to where he is now in terms of um trusting him with roles like playing Muhammad Ali. I mean, you know, to, to play uh, such an iconic person, uh, you've got to be able to trust the actor to do that well. And I think that you can. Um, so, yeah, I think when you, you look at his journey from things like, um, you know, Fresh Prince to things like uh, Men in Black, where again, you know, they're, they're, they're okay. Um, but then things like Seven Pounds, I don't know if you've seen the film Seven Pounds, um, but I think that, you know, that was, that was a great film. And then up to things like King Richard, um, uh, playing Muhammad Ali. I really like him in Pursuit of Happiness as well. Mm. Um, so I think going into those those broader roles, um, being able to uh, test himself a bit from the early days of Fresh Prince and almost growing up with him, uh, I think he's just a really, really solid, uh, solid actor. Obviously, you know, let himself down a little bit 
off uh, well I wouldn't say off stage because it was very much on stage do not uh, say his wife's name Gemma I wouldn't dare <laughs> he'd probably come running through the front door slap me across the face um, <laughs> but uh, uh, I do have a lot of sympathy for um, for what he did there but you know in terms of his roles I, I think he's uh, I think he's cracking I really like Will Smith he's probably somebody who um, somebody said it I think it was Holly said it a minute or so ago where if you hear he's in a film, you think, oh, I'm going to go and see that um, without necessarily looking at what the, the genre is. I'm not a big fan of things like Bad Boys, but again, you know, it's very different to some of the other things that he played. So it just shows that scope. Um, so, yeah, Will Smith, big fan. We all spoke very fondly about uh, iRobot in our crap yes. list. Yeah. Um, I think my favourite performance of his is I Am Legend. Just yeah. him like holding the entire film, essentially, you know. I just wish they'd given yeah. him the actual ending, like yeah, yeah, yeah when yeah, he realizes yeah. he's the monster because like he acts incredibly well. I've lost a bit of faith in him after after Earth and Gemini Man. Like mm. it, it feels like he's kind of stuck in a rot of. I mean, King Richard's a bit better as well because he's like showing his dramatic chops again. He's getting away from those like dick flick action movie kind of thing and that that's you know Gemma said oh um fresh prince so it's a bit stereotypical but everyone remembers that scene how come we don't want me man mm. i okay. defy anyone to get through that scene and just not be weeping because okay. that's like there's conflicting stories but like that's, that's meant to be based on something that's quite real to will like his dad did abandon him and he just let loose at that point and it wasn't scripted for Uncle Phil to just pull him in and hug him, but he just did because Will just broke down on set because he channeled it. And yeah, but like it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, I think there's right. something in, um, in uh, Fresh Prince Life, which I thought was really powerful as well, which was when him and his cousin got uh, arrested when they were just driving through a neighborhood once. Yeah. Having lost I remember that one. And, and, um, you know, Uncle Phil was telling them about it and he was like, yeah, I didn't question it the first time either and things like that. And they were just talking about that. And, you know, there are those flickers of, of really powerful moments in Fresh Prince. You know, 99% of it is absolute comedy, slapstick. But, yeah, you know, there are some some flickers of what he's uh, he's able to do uh, plus plus 20 years. Um, yeah, I, I, I still love Fresh Prince, actually. Nice. Um, Holly, number seven. Uh, my number seven is Dev Patel. Um, I think as a leading man, um, he's he's such an interesting actor. Like he did, he was the lead in um, David Copperfield, and he he showed like sides of that character that that wasn't just I'm the lead in the story, and all the crazy um, Dickensian characters around me are stealing every scene. No, no, he was the center and, and you you really, really felt for that character. I've seen TV adaptations of David Copperfield where I just really didn't care about David Copperfield. Um, but that one was very different. Um, I I love Slumdog Millionaire, obviously his breakout performance. Um, I I loved Lion. Um, I was watching that on a plane at the same time as my partner was watching it next to me and we'd started the film at the same time but then I'd gone to the loo at some point during the flight and come back so Jules was like three minutes ahead of me and he was sitting there crying and I was like oh no what's coming oh no oh no um about the ending of the film um 
But again, that's a lead character um, that's a little bit different from the norm. And you need someone who has layers in order to do that. Um, he didn't come across as pathetic when his character kind of falls apart for like the center of the film. Um, and then now he's doing things like the Green Knight, which like that character, that kind of like egotistical kind of like toxic masculinity thing that he has in that character but then you still like that character and you want to see him grow um i i think we've got really really great things to come from that actor also really nice to look at and that helps i think you need like the beard the beard really works for him like when you see him without the beard, he still looks like a little boy, and then he gets the beard. It's like that—that—that that, that is a man. That is a man right there. <laughs> the facts as well. I've said this until everyone here is blue in the face. The fact that he is a shining light in the absolute skid mark that is the Last Airbender. Like, <laughs> we did speak about that. Yeah, I wondered where they're putting an actor. But that he's great. One of our like, worst films ever. But he's great in it. Like I, I, I. <laughs> I gave it that clarification. He is fantastic because he's a big fan of the show. He lo he loved the original show, and he you could tell he was putting in effort. And him and the guy playing Iroh, they're fantastic. And he was there apologizing to fans. It's like, ah, yeah. oh, you're all right, guys. Yeah, sorry, the film was crap. <laughs> like, not to get too wokey woke either, but um, like a lot of British actors, people like Riz Ahmed, who are fantastic, have spoken out about how being a British actor of colour is really tough. There are a lot of, you know, worthy British dramas that are very, very white because they're set in a historical period that was very white. Um, and actors of colour often feel that they need to move to Hollywood in order to get the roles that they deserve. Um, and Dev Patel has managed to, I mean, land the lead role in David Copperfield's, like mm. a, a Victorian drama. Um, he's he's found a way to, to find those roles while still doing a lot of British films. I'm not saying he's that means he's better. Um, mm. I mean, I think even in a, a system that's weighted against him, people want to want to find a role for him um because he's he's extraordinary have you seen newsroom no oh he's really good in newsroom series with jeff daniels mm. so it's not it's not the greatest country in the world that one mm -hmm. yeah no i've seen clips of him in that year good. So it's an good. aaron sorkin script so you know he's gonna have good material to work with as well yeah yeah um ollie number seven um, small sample size for this one, but again, it's just everything I have seen her in. I absolutely love her in. I'm not saying the stuff is good because, dear Lord, one of the things that immediately will come to mind, you'll be like, that's, I, I think I had it in my worst ever films again. Uh, Viola Davis. What yeah. an absolute powerhouse. Like, I think he might be up there um, with Angela Bassett as just that ability to ball boss, that ability to just control a room. Suicide Squad is an objectively terrible film. The 2016 Suicide Squad is an objectively terrible film. Within the confines of a terrible script and some half-assed performances, she's fantastic in it. I mean, I like it, 
it's one of those bits of casting. You hear that Viola Davis has been cast as Amanda Waller, and you're just like, yes. Yeah. Uh, just unequivocally, yes. She was born to play that role. She was born to do that. She's unbelievable in Fences as well against your boy Denzel. Like, like how, how can that much talent be captured on film, digital or otherwise? Like, them acting against each other is absolutely unreal again small sample size but she's just she really left a fairly indelible mark where it's like if i see viola i still haven't seen the woman king and i know that that's bad yeah i, I haven't yet but I, I really need to yeah i need to watch like like her and john boyega in a in a in a situation where it looks like they can just go for it absolutely yeah, yeah. i'm all for that so yeah queen viola good shout Gemma, number seven. Uh, my number seven is Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. So again, just uh, looking at my kind of age and um, seeing how he's moved from playing the pretty boy, pretty boy roles uh, right at the start, you know, playing Jack in Titanic and things like that, which you know was it was a great performance, but very much because you know he's that handsome pretty boy and he was a poster boy and all girls that age had got the the pictures up, uh, the posters up when you could buy posters from HMV back in those days, um, but then looking at uh, what he's kind of grown up into some of those brilliant Scorsese films and things like that. Some of my favourites are um, Django Unchained. I think he's great mm. in Django Unchained. Um, I really like him in the one that was out a year or so ago, Don't Look Up. I thought he was really good in that. Um, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> yeah, Don't Look Up. Really good. But also things like Wolf of Wall Street, where um, some of the scenes in Wolf of Wall Street that he plays are just great. Like the one where he's leaving the uh, the country club and he's absolutely off his head on the quaaludes and he's got to get back to Jonah uh, Hill to tell him to stop uh, talking on the phone. And that scene there where they're just like crashing around the house with the phone wire and then he's he has to take the cocaine to save Jonah Hill's life. Uh, I read that it took 70 takes to get a piece of ham to stick to Jonah Hill's face. <laughs> just the patience that that scene when you think of how much effort and energy it would have taken to do that scene because of just how chaotic it was and then having to redo that bit just because they wanted a bit of ham to stick to Jonah Hill's face you know there's a, a lot of um a, a lot of patience there the revenant things like that as well um wasn't a big fan of the beach but that's obviously a lot more of his earlier work I did quite like catch me if you can uh gangs in new york stuff like that there's some like massive roles there um but leo is uh is definitely one that i uh, i absolutely love him yeah he's great Shutter Island is the one for me. I was, yeah, I find myself sort of listening to you all and then having a, a film in my head going, you, you got to mention that, you've got to mention that, you've got to mention that. Shutter, Shutter Island. Island. Shutter Island. Shutter Island for Leo, like a whole different film when you watch it a second time. Yeah. It's not my kind of thing, really. Um, oh. it, yeah, it's not my kind of thing. So good, in it, though? So I do good. think he got the Oscar for the wrong film as well. It almost oh, yeah. Felt, 100%. Everyone always gets the Oscar for yeah. the wrong film. They just get the Oscar next time they're nominated. Yeah, it should have been. It should have been Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. It should have been Wolf of Wall Street where he won it. He was incredible in that, and just that scene. Was it Matthew McConaughey who won it as well? 
And he just um, had that scene, or was it just before? And it had that scene where Matthew McConaughey is just like beating his chest. Yeah, in front I, I think it would have been the same. Someone photoshopped yeah. in an Oscar, and just he kept yeah. on cutting to Leo looking confused and sad. <laughs> oh, Leo. Um, yeah. Right, my number seven. I th- possibly a bit of a left field choice, uh, more of a character actor, definitely, but somebody who. When I looked at sort of films that I really enjoy, there seemed to be one character, one actor that kept coming up more often than not. Jason Bateman. Now, okay. I think yeah. Jason Bateman is solid in everything to mm. the point where if I see that he's in it, I'll probably go and watch it. So going all the way back to something like Dodgeball, you know, where it's just yeah. the, the meme worthy. Let's see how that plays out for them. Um, it's a bold strategy card. It's a bold strategy card. Um, things like Smoking Aces and Kingdom, where he's only doing like small parts, but then really him as Jennifer Garner's husband in Juno, that's a really good role for him, I think. This sort of emasculated guy who, you know, he loves his wife, but she's sort of basically putting him in a box and putting him in a room and he's, he's only allowed his space and he's only allowed his room. But then things like Up in the Air, which I think is a very underrated film that's got George Clooney in it. Um, daft things like Horrible Bosses. Like, I know people mm. hate Horrible Bosses and stuff like that, but Horrible Bosses 1 and 2, me and Amy absolutely love them. Um, I recently re-watched a film that, if, you, if none of you have seen it, I recommend that you go and watch it, directed and written by Joel Edgerton called The Gift, right? And basically, Joel Edgerton plays this guy who um, he knows Jason Bateman's character from school. And Jason Bateman's just moved into a new house with his wife. And then Joe Edgerton becomes a little bit of a creeper stalker type situation. And it's a really interesting thriller and the way that they manage to spin it on its head. But then one of my most underrated films of recent years, if you've not seen it, watch it, Game Night. Like, talk <laughs> about an actually funny comedy that came out recently. Game Night is just superb. So, yeah, Jason Bateman for me. What what's the film called where he's like a proofreader and he enters like a kid's spelling bee? Uh, bad words. Bad words. Uh, I remember that was when I was like, oh, Jason Bateman actually has dramatic chops as well. He's not just yeah. Uh, have you seen Air as well? Yes, I really like that. Yeah, like he's incredible in that. I just for a film that's just about a shoe, I didn't think I'd like it as much as I did. I mean, Matt but, Damon just sells it, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah. But Matt Damon could be in this list, to be fair. I've not thought about him, but... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's my number seven, Jason Bateman. Last one of this half, then. Oliver, uh, your number six. Um, I might go as... Hmm, I don't know. I feel like he is getting his chops now. He certainly went through a time, this boy... Of just being one of the most criminally underrated actors out there. And it is because, and you'll be able to guess as soon as I finish this sentence, it is because like his mainline performances that everybody knew him for were heavily, uh, heavily utilized CGI. I am, of course, talking about Mr. Andy Circus. How you could overlook Gollum in Lord of the Rings as one of the standout performances in film of that decade. Yes, you heard me right. It was that good. Like, that one scene in Two Towers where he's just talking to himself and the camera's panning from one to the other, the differences in his facial expressions for the different personalities, the different nuances to his voice. And that's such a specific voice. 
the Gollum voice. And for him to get those clear differences in between them, between Gollum and Smeagol, is absolutely unreal. I love him in King Kong as well. Both his live action stint as the cook, who has the most horrifying death I've ever seen. Remember those like weird tooth worms, just one's on his arm, one's on his leg, one's on his head. That horror, that needlessly horrifying Peter Jackson. What are you doing? But he's great there. He, like I love how he brings King Kong to life in that film. Like, people really hate on that film. I don't quite get why. I really, I really like that King Kong. Film. I really like King Kong. <laughs> that could have been in. Was that critically panned? I, I mixed bag, I think. Yeah, that could have been in crap. I hate. I crap. Mm. I love there because like I really like that film. I love all the casting in it and just yeah. But um, um, even his turn as Snoke recently and Caesar. Everyone sleeps on the plant on the recent oh, yeah. eight films. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. oh, there's a, a great trilogy. Some of the well, best films recently, like Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, no especially. Right to like, be that good. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. no right to be that good. And Andy Circus as Caesar. Again, you can see the facial expressions in there because he has. I said this when uh, me and Adam were talking about Batman. I think Andy Serkis could maybe have the unfair criticism leveled at him that he overacts because he strikes me as a very stagey performer as opposed to a film performer. On film, a lot of the emotion of the actor is done by the editor, so you can just kind of look bored. But if the editor shows something beforehand, you can read into it. Whereas... Andy Serkis has a different face for every emotion on the spectrum of human emotion because he's just so expressive and his voice has this gorgeous quality to it. Again, just everything I've seen him in, I think he's genuinely fantastic. I'm really gutted as well that you didn't get that much of him in the MCU. Like, he was great as Claw. I really wish we got to see more of him. He does understated very well. I think Alfred being a sort of key point in that is Alfred is great. Mm. Um, I think he is manic as Claw in MC, in the MCU. Um, he does, however, have one of the worst performances I've ever seen this year um, in the Luther film. Um, it's just, <laughs> it's so wiggy. Like he's wearing this god awful wig, and he's just like it's like a pantomime villain. But it's but yeah, thirteen going on thirty. He's great in that. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and it, but to be fair though, like you said, like those rises, uh, the the apes films, like so good, so good. No um, right to be that good either. No, exactly. Gemma number six. Okay, yeah, my number six then is um, Samuel L. Jackson. So, Mr. Cool, basically. He's just cool, isn't he? He's just cool. I think he's uh, at his best when he's um, in a Tarantino film. Um, I think that those are his best roles. So, we don't mention some of the stuff like Deep Blue Sea. And, uh, we uh, do mention uh, Deep Blue Sea. No. Excuse me. We do mention, we do Deep, mention Deep, Deep Blue Sea. Deep Blue yeah. Sea is his best work, Jenna. <laughs> Real was that in Cross My Love? Was it? Was it it was. Really? Was it? Uh, what about snakes on a plane then? No. Amazing. It's still good though. Like, like at the end of the day, yeah, they're terrible films. He is in. He is exceptional okay. in them. He yeah. is the only reason you go to watch Snakes on a Plane. Yeah, that's that he's line, saved. which we can't say because of the swearing in it, is one of the greatest lines in film history. And yeah. he insisted on it. No, uh, of course he did. The only Duff role I can think of for him is the Star Wars films. That's the only right. Duff role I can think of for Samuel L. Jackson. 
I really like him. I, I obviously really like him as Jules in um in Pulp Fiction. Mm. I think he's just exceptional at that. But I really like him as the old butler in Django as well. In Django and Change, mm. he's yes. so good as the butler with attitude. He's absolutely brilliant there. He's just he's just cool. He's just cool. I want to be his friend. Um. So yeah, Samuel L. Jackson. I just think he's he's absolutely brilliant. Coach Carter. Um. Another Tarantino. What about Coach film. Carter? What yeah. a film. So yeah, uh, I think uh, I think he's great, but definitely great when he's doing a, a Tarantino uh, a Tarantino film. He's at his best in those roles. Um, yeah, I think my favourite is the uh, the Butler, the Attitude Butler in Django. He's brilliant there. So he yeah, described uh, it as like the most despicable black man in the in the history of the world. It's like he said, to, <laughs> it's like Quentin, are you asking me to play the most? Dis-? He didn't say black man, but he didn't say the bad. He didn't say the worst slur you could say there, if you know what I mean. But he was like, do you want me to play the most despicable black man in the history of the world? And Quentin went, yep. And (laughs) Sammy Sammy L was like, yeah, cool. (laughs) Yeah, he's real. Okay, my number six um, is Jamie Foxx. Strong. So someone who's got a very mixed bag of a filmography, I think it's fair Mm -hmm. to say. Um, you know, you're taking things that were in my um, crap humor of list, like stealth, you know, along with things that we unequivocally love, like Collateral, like No Way Home, you know. Django. Um, Django. Um, he was in the absolute trash that was Robin Hood. But at the same time, he was in Baby Driver, you know. He was in White House Down. He was in Jude. And then the sort of the key ones for me, when I really sort of got into his work, were things like Miami Vice, which I think is underrated, him and Colin Farrell in Miami Vice. Dream Girls, he plays an absolute slime ball of Curtis in Dream Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kingdom is a really good underrated war film. Him against Robert Downey Jr. in The Soloist, which I think they were hoping was going to be like a big Oscar vehicle for them, but it didn't end up being there. And then possibly the most bizarre film that was ever released, it was like a Saw spin-off, but wasn't. Laura Biden Citizen that had him and Gerard Butler in it. Like, mm-hmm. that goes balls to the wall with everything that it does. It's an 18-rated film because Gerard Butler's just killing people left, right, and centre. And Jamie Foxx is like, I wish you'd stop. No, I'm going to do it again. <laughs> um, but actually, I just think he is solid in everything that he does. Um, obviously, Ray. there are things that, you know, say again. Ray. Oh, like, yeah, Ray. Obviously, Ray. Jeff, like... Gemma was talking before about giving props to Will Smith fairly, I might add, before you yeah. think I'm attacking you, Hale. But... Um, like giving props to Will Smith for being able to play such an iconic person. Jamie Foxx does yeah. as well, at least with Ray Charles. He's unbelievable. There. I mean, that year, Jamie Foxx being one of the only people next to Al Pacino who was nominated for Best Actor for Ray and then Best Supporting Actor for Collateral in the same year. So not many people have done that. Was he not the lead in Collateral? I, he was down as supporting. Because Tom Tom Cruise needed to be the lead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's definitely something that's gone on there, and they're like, we're not going to put Jamie up against Jamie, so we'll, we'll, we'll stick him in a different, you know, we'll stick yeah. him in a different category. Have um, you seen um, They Clone Tyrone? Not yet. I do want he's to. He's hilarious in it. Yeah. He's absolutely brilliant. I think he can do like everything well. He does drama. But he's also going to be well. in that weird dogs film where Will Ferrell is an abandoned dog. We're just he... going to ignore that <laughs> and just move past that. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he's my number six. Um, so last one for this first part. So Holly, your number six. Um, he's been mentioned already, but not as someone's pick. Um, Sam Rockwell. Oh um, yes, I absolutely love Sam Rockwell. I first 
kind of heard about him when Moon came out. Um, and I really wanted to go see Moon. I, I guess I didn't enjoy it as thought as much as I thought I would. But it was when I was um, reading Empire magazine, and they had something called their Twenty Seven Percenters, and this was a list of actors who were mostly in supporting roles. Sometimes broke out into main roles when it was a smaller film, um, but they make every film they're in 27% better just by their presence. <laughs> and Sam, Sam Rockwell was their number one on the list of 27 percenters. Um, and I think that absolutely holds up still with what he's doing now. Um, I remember watching um, like a, a pretty rubbish adaptation of um, a Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, and Sam Rockwell made me cry in it. And he had no right in a tiny, tiny little role. He's not one of the, the leads to make me cry. Um, but he's just fantastic. And he did not need to work that hard in that bad film. But he did. Um, things, well, in Jojo Rabbit, um, absolutely fantastic. In th uh, Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, just fantastic. Have you ever seen anybody go from being like the most hated character on screen to one of the most loved? In and it's, it's so hard to do. You mm. uh, like, I, it's, it's a like, I, I can't say the word I want to say. Uh, it's a, a, a snobby, silly thing to say, but like, he has humanity. Ooh. Yeah. But I know what I mean. Like he, he, there's an empathy for yeah. all of his characters, mm. um, and it makes you feel it as well. And he doesn't chew the scenery. Um, he, he, yeah, he's just a fantastic, fantastic actor. Um, I think my favorite role of his is in quite a small Ridley Scott film called Matchstick Men. Have you seen Matchstick Men? I haven't I seen haven't it. Seen I know it. it though. Um, it's well, it's a Nick Cage film. Hmm. We love Nick Cage in this household. Praise be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's actually Nick Cage, like taken from a ten down to a five. Um, oh, but what's Sam... the point? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sam Sam Rockwell is fantastic in that. You have you're really like on the back foot, like with who this character is and what he's doing. It's a kind of two halves film where you see everything that happens in the first half and then you're shown everything again but with a key piece of information given to you um and the fact that his performance can swap um and you might see someone as the villain and then a good guy or a good guy is more a villain i'm not going to tell you which way around it is um he's yeah he's just really really great he's another person who if they're in the film i don't need to know anything about the film i will go see the film have you seen see how they run Yes. I love to see how they run. I think it just struggles with the fact that it's come out at a similar time to Knives Out and Glass Onion. And it's it's just not quite as good as that, but it was then, good Yeah, fun. they are much better films because Ryan Johnson clearly is just the biggest Agatha Christie fanboy going, which, you know, mm -hmm. fair play. After Last Jedi, that is not the direction I saw his career going, but here <laughs> we go. But yeah, I, like, I love him in that. It's also, do you know his brain man? I wouldn't call it his breakout role. It was like his his first like notable cameo role. It's a really weird one. It's a good pop. It's a good um, pop quiz kind of question. Well, I remember the first film seeing him in was Charlie's Angels. Earlier than that. Oh. A young Sam Rockwell appears 
with lines and he's not just a background actor he is one of he is kind of a character and he has lines and dialogue and screen time teenage mutant ninja turtles (laughs) the original one if you watch again he's um he's like the head kid you know like they're gathering all the kids to like nick stuff for them yeah He's the kid who, at the end, he says to the officers, "Go take a look in this warehouse. You'll find what you need there." Like he, he, he has like. So he was on the he was on the path to greatness. From obviously, yeah, obviously, because like you, yeah. you've gone that entire time as well, Hall, without talking Green Mile. Just... I have never seen Green Mile. What? How did not it's, it's Hale's favorite film. So it's a... such a great film, and he is brilliant in it as a madman. He is absolutely he off is the chart in it. Absolutely He's detestable. Just the, the looks in his eyes, you know, there's the, the scene when you know what he's planning to do to uh to the kids. Spoiler alert, not gonna <laughs> say it anymore. But he's he's at the dinner table, obviously he's working in that house. He's at the dinner table and there's just a glint in his eye, uh, because he knows what he's planning to do. Uh, and and yeah, he's he's so good. And then when he's causing havoc uh, on the prison wing, he's so good. Wild oh. Bill, Sam Rockwell, such a good shout. Um, right, that's it for part one. I think I think because I can't remember when we started. We may have just clocked an hour, so hopefully that's in a bit more of a digestible chunk for all those people complaining to me that these things are too long. So, yeah, exactly. So um, stay safe, look after each other, and we'll see you in part two.